Uh, continuing our series, Endgame, what we know about what is to come. And if you've been following the series, you know that we know a lot about what is to come because God has revealed much to us through his word. Um, even though we don't really know as much as we wish we did about some of the details. And, and so where the Bible is clear on things, Pastor Mike and I have, have let you know, this is what the Bible says. It teaches this. And where the Bible is a little less clear, we have sometimes presented options and let you know these are some different ideas um, uh, uh, and different views about those things that are less clear in the Word. And this is a reflection of our commitment here at Clearwater Church to preach the Bible and not to preach our own thoughts, our own ideas, and our own opinions and wisdom. We strive to preach the revealed truths of God, not what we want to be true or, or, or what uh, our own wisdom has discovered, but the things that God has revealed to us in his word. So this week's topic is one of the most important uh, areas, one of the most important truths in this whole series. It's, it's, a, it's a truth that, uh, that God reveals to us that should change the way we live every single day. So our topic today is Endgame Judgment Day. The Bible is very clear that a day is coming when God will judge the world and everyone who ever lived will stand before the great judge to give account. And this is stated plainly in many places in the Bible, including in the book of Acts, where it says, uh, For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And then in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment. And in the book of Hebrews, it says, People are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. So the Bible is very clear that, uh, that everyone will stand before God and face judgment. And this is a pretty well-known part of, of Christian teaching, and I doubt that this is a new idea to very many of you. Um, but here's the thing that happens sometimes, is that a teaching like this becomes a little bit too familiar, um, and, and it becomes too common, and it loses some of its power. So we're going to do something now that we haven't done for a few weeks, but uh, I'm, I'm going to invite you all to make a verbal declaration of a key truth here. So first I'm going to read it, uh, and then uh, I'll read it a second time. And then if you believe it, I invite you to read it with me. So that by stating it out loud and stating it all together, it will sink in a little bit more deeply into our hearts. So here's the statement. It's also on the back of your bulletin if you've got a bulletin. Um, the, the three statements we're going to do today are all there. So here it is. It says, I will stand before the judgment of God along with every other person who has ever lived. So if you believe that, let's say it together. I will stand before the judgment of God along with every other person who has lived. That is a big deal. Um, whether there is a judgment, that really changes the calculus in a lot of decisions that we make uh, in our lives. And it's not just the questions like, can I get away with this? Uh, but it's also questions like, 
will they get away with doing that to me? Or will they get away with doing that to those people who, who are too weak to resist them? Or, or why doesn't God intervene to prevent injustice? Doesn't he care? Or is it worth sacrificing to help out this person who has no ability to do anything for me? Or is it worth putting up with prejudice or even persecution in order to keep the faith? You see, all of those questions, uh, your answers to those questions are changed if you believe that you will stand before God one day to give account. The fact that there is a judgment day changes the way we make decisions in our lives. So the Bible is very clear that there will be a judgment day, and it is clear that this truth is an important one for decisions we make every day. So what does the Bible tell us about the day of judgment? Uh, We are going to take a look at a couple of key passages here and and quite a few cross-references to other parts of the Bible to see uh, some of the things that are taught. First, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus is doing some teaching about uh, the coming judgment. So Matthew chapter 25, I'm going to start reading in verse 31. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and the Son of Man, of course, is Jesus' way of referring to himself. So he's saying, basically, when I come in my glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. So what Jesus is saying so far is that when he returns in his glory, which of course is a reference to the second coming of Christ, his his first coming was not in his glory. He came and was born in in a very humble Uh, setting in the Christmas story. Uh, But when he returns, he will be returning in his glory with his angels with him at the end of the age. And when that happens, he will sit on a throne of judgment and all the nations will be gathered before him. And and what he's saying there is that it's not just going to be like the chosen people, the Jewish people who will stand before uh, God at that point. It will be all nations, all people will stand before God in this judgment. And then he will divide everyone into two groups and he uses this farming metaphor of a shepherd who has a herd that includes both sheep and goats and they're all kind of mixed up out in the fields. But then when he brings them in, he separates them out and he separates sheep on one side and goats on the other side. And once they've been separated... He tells one group, who is represented in the metaphor by sheep, that they can now take their inheritance. And their inheritance is described here as the kingdom that has been prepared for them since the creation of the world. And we recognize that that means that that, uh, Jesus is, is telling them to come and go to heaven and live with God for eternity. And then in in, in verse 41, he says this. He says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, 
into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So this division into two groups in this judgment is for the purpose of determining the eternal destination of all people. Everyone will either be brought into the kingdom of God in heaven or they will be cast into the eternal fire of punishment. And this is, again, an, an important truth that can lose some of its power due to that overfamiliarity. And so let's do another verbal declaration of this biblical truth. I'll read it first, and then if you're ready to affirm this, then we will affirm it together. And here, here I'll read it first. All people will either be assigned to eternal reward or eternal punishment at the judgment. So let's read that together. All people will either be assigned to eternal reward or eternal punishment at the judgment. So what does that truth mean to us? Well, it means that you want to be certain that you will be in the right group when Jesus divides us up, right? And it means that you want to do what you can to help people that you care about to also be on the right side. And it means that you want to do what you can to help even people you don't know to be on the right side in the judgment. So how, how do we make certain that we are on the right side? Well, there's a lot of teaching about this uh, in the Bible. And in this passage here in Matthew 25, Jesus talks about how people treated people in need as the key, to, the key evidence to show which group people belong in. Right? Um, and this is where uh, we, we find this famous quotations, right? Where he says, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And then later he says, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. But we know that from, from uh, much other teaching the Bible that Jesus is using these groups uh, here and how they treated the least of these as kind of a stand-in summary for a much broader standard of judgment. In fact, the key difference between these groups is, is how they respond to the truth about Jesus. And we see that in the famous passage from John chapter 3, where John, uh, Jesus is teaching and he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they've not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So the, the good works that Jesus mentions there in, in chapter 25 of Matthew of caring for the needy, it, that's simply a proof of faith, a proof of belief. And this kind of proof is used at the judgment... Because there are people who will claim faith uh, while making, making false claims. They have not actually believed in Jesus. And Jesus himself, he talked about that um, in his Sermon on the Mount when he, he spoke about the false claims of faith. And he said, he said, thus by their fruit, you will recognize them. And what he means there, by their fruit, fruit is uh, the actions that they do uh, as opposed to the words that they say. Right? Anybody can say words, but let's see your fruit. And he says, by their fruit, you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform any miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. You see, these people were doing religious things. Um, they, were, they were teaching about God and they were claiming to do miracles, but, but Jesus says, I never knew you. See, their, their real fruit, not their religious works, but their real lifestyle and the way they treat the people around them shows that they are not really followers of Jesus. And so the, the determining factor on which side of the judgment you end up on is faith in Jesus. Right? But, but, but the proof of whether or not a person has believed in Jesus is shown in the way we live. So saying, Lord, Lord, is not sufficient proof, right? It is those who show their faith by the way that they live who are sent to eternal reward. And those who do not have a demonstrable faith in Jesus are sent to eternal punishment. And all people will be judged into one of those two destinies. And that really is the biggest thing about this teaching about Judgment Day. There is a heaven and there is a hell and we are all going to one or the other. And the determining factor is a visible, fruit-bearing belief in Jesus. But the judgment doesn't end there for either group. See, after the great sorting has been done... There will be more judgment for each group that will determine the extent of the rewards and punishments that each person will receive. And we see that most clearly when it comes to the different rewards that God's people will receive, but the Bible also teaches that there will be differing levels of punishment. And we're going to look at some of the teaching about the differences of reward first, and then some of the teaching about the differences of Punishment. So one place we see this is in Jesus' encouragement to his followers to focus on investing in eternity rather than in this life. So he says, uh, again from the Sermon on the Mount, he says here, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. You see, Jesus is saying that just as it is possible to store up for yourselves treasures on earth in a nice stock portfolio and a, and a beautiful home and, and things like that, um, it's also possible to store up treasures in heaven. What kind of treasure? Well, probably not uh, stocks in, in heavenly companies or something like that, but, uh, and probably not nice houses and things, but I'm not sure exactly what the treasure is going to be like. But here's what I do know. I know that somehow God will reward us for the good that we do and the way that we invest in our heavenly life. And although I don't know exactly what form the reward is going to take, I am confident that God's rewards are going to be well worth the investment. 
So this idea is, is discussed a little more fully and tied to the judgment day uh, more clearly in the book of 1 Corinthians. If you want to turn over there now, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Um, in 1 Corinthians 3, starting with verse uh, 12, it says, uh, he's, uh, Paul here is talking about uh, people who are Christians. They have uh, already received the foundation of faith in Jesus Christ. And, uh, and now, he says, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. And when he says the day, he's talking about a specific day, the day of judgment. The day of judgment will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what he has built survives... The builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. So it's clear here that what we're talking about is, is a judgment that goes beyond that initial separation of, 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 into two groups. The person who fares poorly in this judgment is still saved, right? Uh, it's just that he's... Uh, not receiving any additional reward. And, and what, will it, what will it be like for those people at that point? Um, I don't think anybody's going to feel horrible in heaven and just be like, oh, no, this is, this is not good. This is, uh, I didn't get enough rewards. I'm so sad. No, everyone in heaven is going to be uh, happy and it's going to be great, um, even for those who make it only as one escaping through the flames. But at the same time, I'm also sure that the rewards that are promised here are going to be pretty great. And those who receive them will feel it was all worth it to get those rewards. So the takeaway for Christians is build your life on the foundation of your salvation so that when you stand at the judgment and the quality of your work is tested, you will receive a reward. A few chapters further along in 1 Corinthians, the Bible is talking about this topic and uses a different metaphor. And, uh, and he, he, tells, he says this, he says, uh, Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body to make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. Um, so here's another uh, declaration for us to uh, say together. Again, it's on the back of your bulletin or it's going to be on the screen here. I'll read it first and then we can all say it together. I will be judged according to my works and will receive eternal rewards from God. Therefore, I will store up treasure, build on the foundation, and run the race in a way that will result in heavenly rewards. So let's say that together. I will be judged according to my works and will receive eternal rewards from God. Therefore, I will store up treasure, build on the foundation, and run the race in a way that will result in heavenly rewards. Now, what about those who do not put their faith 
in Jesus and end up condemned to punishment at the judgment? Well, the Bible teaches that there will be a further judgment for them as well. And, and, and they will receive varying degrees of punishment. And we, we see that in several places in, in the Bible. In uh, Revelation chapter 20, where there's one of the big passages about the judgment, uh, he says this, he says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. And each person was judged according to what they had done. So the fact that this judgment is based on the things that people had done in their lifetime shows that it is not simply a binary judgment, right? Uh, Each person is judged according to what each individual person had done. And next we're going to look at a place where Jesus talks about a particular people and he compares how bad the judgment will be for them. So this is in Matthew chapter 11 where he says, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! These are two towns that Jesus had recently been in and had, uh, had been trying to do ministry there. And he says, For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, and those are two other cities uh, not too far away from Chorazin and Bethsaida, he says, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and in ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. Jesus is saying that even among people who will be condemned, it will be worse for some people than it will be for others at the judgment. In another place, Jesus describes the judgment that will come when he uh, he uses this metaphor of a master returning to evaluate the job that his servants have been doing while he was away. And he says, the servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do What the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving of punishment will be beaten with few blows. So Jesus gives an indication here of one of the criteria that will be used to determine levels of punishment. Those who act in ignorance will receive less punishment than those who know better and still choose to reject Jesus. In another place where the Bible talks about judgment, it says uh, in the book of Romans, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. And that actually sounds a lot like what he said earlier about storing up uh, reward in heaven. You can also store up wrath for the day of judgment, and they will be repaid for their sins according to what they have done. Last passage I want to look at about this variation in punishment is from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus is teaching here about hypocritical religious people, which was, those were the people that came in for the biggest criticism from Jesus. And here's Here's what he said at this time. He said, Beware of the teachers of the law. And by the law, of course, he's talking about the Bible. Beware of people who teach the Bible. 
They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. So far, they sound kind of pretentious, but maybe not too terrible. But the next verse really shows their true colors. He says, they devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. So here's these guys who are taking financial advantage of widows, people that don't have social power, don't have the ability to resist them, and they are making a show of their lengthy prayers. And that hypocrisy will result in the most severe punishment of all. These guys are teachers of the law. They're the teachers of the Bible. They know better. And yet, they are storing up wrath for the day of judgment, and their showy religion will not help them. They will be like those people who call out, Lord, Lord, but are told by Jesus that he never knew them. So what's the application of this part of the Bible's teaching on the judgment? What difference does it make to us that God will punish some worse than he punishes others? Are are, are there going to be some people in hell who are thinking, oh, this isn't so bad? No. No. Everyone who goes into punishment will be miserable there. But this does show that God really is just in his judgment. The Bible is clear that all people have deliberately sinned, and so all are without excuse. Everyone is deserving of punishment, but God in his justice will not punish everyone equally. As we read, uh, as we read earlier from the book of Acts, it says, For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice. And that justice means that all wrongs will be set right. All good will receive its appropriate reward, and all evil will receive its appropriate punishment. Now, for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, the just punishment for the evil that we have done, that's already been taken care of. It's already been satisfied by Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. We will be judged only to determine the rewards that we'll receive because the judgment for our sins, the punishment we deserve, has already been done. But for those who do not put their faith in Jesus, they will pay the just punishment for the evil that they have done. And the punishment that they receive will be just because it will be determined by the perfect justice of God. So now here at the end, it's time to think a little bit about what to do about these truths. We're all going to stand at the judgment, and we will all be sent either to eternal reward or eternal punishment. Ask yourself, which way is God going to send you? None of us have done enough good or avoided evil enough in order to uh, deserve reward on that basis. But we can know that we will go to heaven if we put our faith in Jesus and in his righteousness and his sacrifice for sin. And if you have not yet done that, 
then come and talk to me or talk to Pastor Mike or, or somebody else you know here that you trust and, and, and talk to them about how to be sure that Christ's death will cover your punishment. And for those of us who have believed in Jesus for salvation, there will still be a judgment for us too. We will stand before God and our lives will be evaluated. He says every secret will be revealed. Every word that we've spoken, everything we have done will be evaluated and God will reward us for the good that we have done. So what are you going to do to store up treasure in heaven? What adjustments can be made in your life to shift your emphasis from this world to the next? I hope that you'll think about those things and, uh, and that the judgment of God will be a reality in your life. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for uh, revealing to us what is to come. We know that we will be judged. It will not come as a surprise. And we, we thank you for giving us the chance to prepare for the judgment. Thank you that we can put our faith in Jesus so that our punishment can be paid. And thank you that we know how to store up treasure in heaven. I pray that you would help us to be more focused on these things as we make our daily life decisions. In the name of Jesus, amen.